What is good, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us once again on a tasty episode of the Coffee Roaster Warm-Up Sessions podcast. Uh, today, we have a wonderful guest and dear friend, uh, Kenna Warren. Um, and yeah, Kenna, can you give us, in a nutshell, before we get into some coffee, um, who you are Totally. in a couple words? I don't know. What's one fun fact about you? Oh, fun fact. I'm never good at fun facts, but... Short little tidbit on me. Yeah. I live here in Bellingham. Nice. I have spent most of my career working for nonprofits and okay. ministries. And um, yeah. That's there pretty it is, much folks. who I am. Because we'll, we'll get into the rest yeah. later. I got to keep you on your toes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was that was fun enough. That was fun enough. So, <laughs> Well, uh, Kenna, do you have any coffee background? Um, I... Worked at Woods Coffee for about ooh, three ooh, months ooh, one time. Months. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I was really bad at it and I hated it. And so oh. I didn't last long. And then I worked at a little dessert shop called Pure Bliss. Oh, oh I didn't know that either. Oh. And I what? worked mostly there on the bar um, nice. doing coffee. So they're nice. not like known for their coffee or anything, yeah. but they had Mocha Joe. It was good coffee. Yeah. And I loved that. That cool. was really fun. Yeah. yeah, that's excellent. Pure Bliss is cool. I like yeah. it. Just, just uh, down the block here. Yes. I feel like their cookies kind of like dominate the Bellingham Dude. bakery scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like almost cake. everywhere you go, they're cookies. I actually just bought Deja some cake from there. Oh, it's Carrot the cake. best cake in the carrot whole cake. world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I like the chocolate cake, but I've kind of been rolling with the carrot cake. Deja, mm. Deja loves the carrot cake. The vegan carrot cake is next yes. level. Like even yeah. if you're not vegan. They also good. they also have this called this thing called the Russian tea cake. Yeah. It's like a small little tea cake. What are, I don't the first time I encountered them was when I worked behind the bar right. at Primer. Oh. We had them and they were like this. It was just weird because I had this like, I'm like, I don't like them. But honestly, something just keeps <laughs> me coming back for them. And I'm totally, totally liking yeah. them. Like, and we had this regular who would get like a cap, a cappuccino with a, with a tea cake. And Eric? it was just like a vibe. No, he um, he's kind of the guy with the shaggier hair a little bit. I mean, we have a crossover of regulars yeah, from the yeah, time that he worked yeah. at Primer to the it's, time now at Narrative. Yeah. I imagine. So it's pretty cool. I yeah. imagine. Five years later, I always have this like awkward yeah. like nod of like, oh, <laughs> yes. I think we know each Was other. Was it the guy like who drives his Tesla? <laughs> no, no, no. Bellingham no. is like this yeah. because I had yeah. crossover <laughs> regulars of people who'd go to Pure Bliss all the time and yeah. John and my husband worked at Camber oh, and yeah. we would have That's the right. same yeah. regular. There's just only so many people here. Yeah. That's cool. That's a cool part. Well, um... What we have right here, Bruin, we have a decaf. It's not released yet, I don't think, but it's going Wait, to it's soon not? in the near future. Yeah, I don't know why we have it. Um, we sold it to someone. someone. Yeah, we, we did. sold uh, <laughs> to Joel. Uh, to, to Joel, Joel we, ha- we, have yeah. a, we have some friend. friend yeah. like, He's an insider. Yeah, yeah. insider. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, I can't wait to be part of this ASMR. <laughs> That's too quiet. <laughs> it's like a non-slurpy sip. <laughs> non-breathing delicious coffee (laughs) (laughs) we get a bad rap for uh the fact that we're never satisfied with our cup on the podcast that's what i was thinking as i listened to like two mirror podcast episodes within the last week and both of them you guys were like oh this is bad and like (laughs) oh yeah yeah, i was like if i like it should i not say that yeah don't don't don't. (laughs) i mean we basically create a character yeah Um, like it's like like every podcast yeah has that character and we're like the folks who don't like coffee when we brew it. I don't know. It's weird, but can it's I funny. Can I guess what notes are in this and you guys can tell me yes. if I'm right? <laughs> okay, fun. hold on one second. Let me let me focus. The silence is so suspenseful. Mm-hmm. I'm so scared. I'm going to be wrong. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> There's no such is thing it, as wrong. Is um, it floral? That's a stretch. <laughs> this is this is not really a floral. Coffee. This might be the best. If it's it has floral, it yeah. may be the what? best decaf I've ever had. Hazelnut. <laughs> Hazelnut. Well, okay, maybe. Hazelnut. Maybe. Yes. Yeah, that's I closer. That's closer. I mean, what do we what do we have on there? I think on the bag we have. Uh, shoot, I forgot. We have a couple stone of fruit. Stone fruit for sure. More like a chocolate. A cho- is it cacao or chocolate? I think we put chocolate. Know. Yeah. I mean, what I'm tasting right Darn now is actually, it. it has nice acidity. So Certainly. I, when I'm tasting coffee, I'm like breaking it down 
by sweetness and acidity. So first I focus mm. on what does this acidity remind me of? Is it an apple? Mm. Uh, is it a uh, like a citrus orange? Is it a lemon? Um, or is it a strawberry? That, those are all levels of acidity. So I break it down, like what kind of acidity am I perceiving? And then I go into what kind of sweetness I'm perceiving. So they cross over because not all acidity is acidic. There's a little bit of sweetness mm. and acidity like a strawberry, right? Acidic but sweet. Um, and then that moves into maybe deeper sweetness like chocolate or even farther like, you know, molasses, cacao. Mm. Um, and then you're getting into bitterness. Okay. So, so I'm getting yeah. a little lesson. Ooh, I know excellent. a bit about yeah. wine tasting and yeah, it's like yeah. there's some similar <laughs> things, but wine is a lot easier for me. Yeah, because wine has less. Mark, you know the stats on that. Give us the stats again. It's um, Wine has, I think, around like something i'm gonna butcher this but it's like it has around like 400 flavor and aroma compounds oh my word and uh coffee actually has like over 800 yeah so it's like twice as complex so um either either harder to pick up on or you know the flip side could be just that like there's more uh there's more like um nuance to it which Mm -hmm. means like not everybody's gonna agree on the same thing yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. so to speak at least that's how I, that's how i that's how i see it but um one but that being said um this would be a hard coffee to pick up notes on because it's a decaf and totally. decafs it's not co- my fault no 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 really because <laughs> decafs come with um i mean a part of the industry that we're in um of specialty coffee uh decaf is kind of like you've probably oh. seen death before decaf like, huh like a, in a sticker yeah, and stuff a sticker, like yeah. yes yes yeah. i have yeah so <laughs> yeah but did you do the decaf for me because you were you didn't know yes i did the decaf because i didn't know that if you could hospitable. take caffeine this late yeah um and yeah. so i i mean we we've done we've recorded podcasts at like 11 30 p.m yeah and drinking like a carafe just that's like, amazing yeah and so i think i could do that too I, okay, I'm pretty good, hardcore. Good. Nice, I don't good. have a when, lot of knowledge like you guys do, but I do love coffee yeah, and drink nice. a lot of it. Yeah, because <laughs> from what I know, you regularly drink coffee. Absolutely. Like every morning, like, <laughs> every, morning every afternoon. <laughs> um, you're not going to love this. No, I will. I promise. <laughs> okay. When I wake up, my husband, Jono, usually will have made me a pour over with one shot of espresso in it. Mm. So that's what I'll drink while I get ready. Mm-hmm. And then on the way to whatever I'm doing, I'll get three shots of espresso on ice at a drive-through coffee stand. It's a lot. And yes, it is a lot. I usually don't drink my full first cup of coffee. I just like the way it tastes in the morning. I don't yeah. like want a whole cup. So he makes me like a tiny little one, and I don't even usually drink all of that. Interesting. And then I get my three shots of espresso. I do drink all of that. Wow. And then I'll often go to like Makeworth or Cafe Blue in the afternoon, and yeah. maybe just get some drip. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's actually a substantial amount of coffee. Do you drink coffee before you eat? Or is it Oh yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's, probably not I, healthy. I, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's common though. I think a lot of folks really? would have I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of folks would eat first and then drink coffee or mm. drink coffee with their food. Maybe I'm just guessing. I think that's but, much better for you to do it yeah, that way. Better gotcha. for your hormones. I definitely but. don't do that. I'm like, I'm like, my first meal is coffee yes. and then my snack after the first meal is coffee. Yeah, and then exactly. I'm like, why is my brain turning off? <laughs> oh, nice. It's like eight hours after I've woken up. I need yeah. to eat something. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's, that's, that's same boat. boat. Same boat. <laughs> uh, your routine reminds me of Victory's, a friend of ours. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. I think she's cut back quite a bit okay. in recent times, <laughs> but yes, she used to drink like up to 10 shots of espresso a day what yeah not all at once obviously yeah. like in different types of coffee drinks and things all like that all at once or not that's not good no yeah, it was a lot insane, which is why i think maybe she's cut back yeah yeah Gosh, <laughs> it's kind of the ritual wow. of it though i mean you guys get that like i think that's what it was for her and that's what my coffee stand coffee is for me it's yeah. not so much because i like i just had a coffee it's not that i'm like oh i need my morning yeah. coffee it's just like i love my ritual of going yeah. through the coffee stand. yeah it's an it's an experience <laughs> it's a culture yeah. it's a yeah, because from really what interesting. I've heard is you even have like a decent connection with your drive-through baristas. Yeah, very good connection. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what what does that look like? Because I rarely go through a, a drive-through. Be, I mean, I work in a cafe. Yeah, I own a roasting company. You right. Know. You know, it's like <laughs> right. yeah. But what is like what is yeah? What does that look like? How like how do you foster that kind of relationship? Are 
because the idea of drive-throughs are super fast, right? Mm. So is it kind of like speed dating or what? Like, what mm. does it look like? <laughs> like, yeah, great question. Yeah. So the drive-through I go through yeah. is actually. I wouldn't say the idea is necessarily for it to be super fast. So I go to Cool oh, yeah. Beans in Bellingham. Nice. And, um, cool. Is that on like, Lakeway? There's one on Lakeway. That's oh, the one okay. I go to. But they have, so, I think, four locations oh, nice. in Bellingham. Okay. Um, and a friend of mine owns it. Um, and they're not super trying to be really fast. I mean, she might disagree, but that's just not the vibe. Like when I worked at Woods, part of the reason I hated it is because you had to get them from the time Mm -hmm. they reached the line to the time they left three minutes and you were supposed to have a conversation with them. And I was like, that feels really inauthentic. I mean, Mm -hmm. no shade on Woods, but I just was like, how am I supposed to do that? It was so stressful for me Mm -hmm. versus kind of my ritual of coffee stand. Um, It's the same barista every day. Her name is Mary. She's so lovely. And you're next to her the whole time she's making your coffee like by definition it's not like you pay Uh, and then you walk down the bar and wait for it from somebody else you like she's like oh hey Kenna like and if Mm -hmm. she sees me a couple cars behind she'll get my coffee ready and so it's there and then we just get to talk like the whole time the card is being run it's on this like old school machine so it like takes forever and so you know, we just know each other and, yeah. you know, on my birth, like she knew it was going to be my birthday when it was going to be my birthday. And so yeah. she had like already made my coffee and yeah. given it to me for free. And just like all the, all the things that I, I was telling her the other day, I was like, I see you more than I see a lot of my friends. Cause I come here every sure. day, yeah. which is probably true for a lot of people with their baristas. And, yeah. um, it's just cool because you're proximity like your physical proximity you're literally next to them the whole time the yeah. whole experience mm-hmm. which i just love see that's like a different what you're describing is a different experience than what i'm used to or the preconceived idea of, of mm-hmm. a drive through cafe and that's like yeah. you know crush through a drink like sling some spro toss in a cup right. and go 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 like starbucks model right right um, but what you're talking about is actually just regular old cafe experience like mm-hmm. that's what i do at narrative you know yeah. what i mean i that's how I spend time with people is literally like that. So that's actually like very interesting for me because that's kind of what the third wave coffee model mm-hmm. about is about. Like it's making that connection, also focusing coffee, but like hospitality is always paramount. And it mm-hmm. seems to me like you're getting very, very good like hospitality and customer service through totally. a drive through which yeah. is excellent. Like, so yeah. that's, that's dope. They also roast cool their own beans. coffee in the stand, which is super in the cool. Stand. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, like, what? Roast really? it within, like in the back of the stand. <laughs> I had no, did you know that? I had no idea that cool beans. I mean, I, I think John I'm, told I'm, me. I'm puzzled right now. Yeah. I'm caught off guard. Yeah, I'm totally I did not see that comment no coming. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty powerful. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty that's cool. 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 All righty, folks. Um, that was a great nice some small talk for 15 minutes half the episode Everyone's like, why is this girl here <laughs> <laughs> like, um, told you i mean i should stop asking questions no no that's great i think i think kenna needed that prolonged uh introduction um it's delightful uh that's why these podcasts are so difficult to get through in like 30 minutes with a guest yeah because it's like with sergio it's like everybody knows us come on we can just get into it but yeah it's like how do you not have the context Totally. For you. So totally. Um, that being said, uh, Kenna, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast episode 15 sure. minutes later. Um, <laughs> um, so we wanted to have you on the podcast because I talked to uh, Jono. Jono? Jono. Jono. Mm-hmm. And that is your husband? Yes. Nice. Um, and I talked to him and we would just got into a conversation about social entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I just... Like his job is so weird and yes. interesting that I'm like, I actually had no idea there was a job like that existed. Like it's a very interesting. Um, but then he also told me that you're also going to school for social entrepreneur entrepreneurship. And then you're kind of working on kind of a, like a little bit of a business plan or a concept mm-hmm. that pairs social entrepreneurship. And really the biggest thing that like resonated with me and, I was like, we need to have you or Jono on. Um, it's simply because, like, I think um, Mir started with that concept mm-hmm. of. I, get, I I I never put the word social entrepreneurship towards it, but really it started with this deep um, 
love not only just for coffee but especially love for people mm -hmm. and love for people who are working behind uh this thing that we call coffee beans you know mm -hmm. um and so uh for us it was like uh yeah that that was just like such a big foundational core mm -hmm. and at the end of the day the big picture of mirror is how do we reflect what's good to the people drinking our coffee how we roast the coffee how do we reflect good things to the producer mm -hmm. how do we make our relationship with the producer so pleasing and so personal with them mm -hmm. that it goes beyond, uh, you know, a contract that, hey, you need to fulfill this and I'll exchange it for yeah. some green paper and we'll call it good. How do we actually go beyond, beyond that? And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's a little bit of what social entrepreneurship is. Um, so please uh, tell us a little bit about, like, what are you going to school for? Um, and can you break down a little bit of what social entrepreneurship actually is? Yeah, definitely. I would love to. So I'm going to school. I'm getting my master's degree at Pepperdine for social entrepreneurship and change is what it's called. And the degree is really all about how do we design and execute business for the purpose of positive social impact. So mm -hmm. typically, especially in America, when we think we want to have a positive social impact, solve mm -hmm. some kind of social problem, whether it's homelessness or equitable access to healthy food or mm -hmm. whatever it is, we think we have to start a nonprofit to do that. Yeah. And nonprofits certainly have their place and there's some social issues where it is the most appropriate answer, but there's some where it's not. And there's mm. some social issues that are mm. not being mm. solved by nonprofits and that there actually needs to be a market-based solution because mm -hmm. there's something sustainable. Like by that, I mean the, the true definition of the word sustainable, like it can be sustained over time yeah. of about market-based solutions mm -hmm. because someone with the money to pay is paying for it. And yes. so there's something scalable about that, which means you can actually solve bigger problems right. yes. because there's money behind it. You're not relying on donors, yep. um, which is not an endless resource. Whereas consumers are, we're going to keep consuming. Yep. And so when you're creating something with transparency and mm -hmm. authenticity and a social consciousness to it that people want to consume, whether it's a service or a good or whatever it is, mm -hmm. you can actually have the power to solve social problems. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what my degree is all about. And that's, that's kind of what social entrepreneurship is in a nutshell. <laughs> it's definitely a big term that encompasses yeah. a lot of things. Like some people within the social entrepreneurship space are especially passionate about the environment. Some mm -hmm. are especially passionate about labor practices. Like there's all kinds of different things you can really hone in on. Um, and it's really hard for any company to do mm -hmm. all things well, but I would say a social enterprise could very loosely be defined as a company that started for the explicit social mission of like solving a problem mm -hmm. or improving a community's experience or something like that, as opposed to having the explicit, explicit mission of making money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. There's a lot of thoughts and ideas that are running through my head. And I think one of the major ones right now is what are some, I think for business, one for a coffee business, like because mm -hmm. it is such a global trade to, big commodity, mm -hmm. uh, but within something that big, how do you, when, how, how do you start like, and then how do you keep going? I know that's a very general, general question, but when you're working with, especially like bigger issues and bigger problems that are either global or just feel overwhelming mm -hmm. when you look at them, but you have a passion to be part of the solution, mm -hmm. where do you start? Yeah, that's exactly the right question. Like, that's such a good question. And I think the place you have to start, and this is actually something that I've really learned in grad school, is you have to start with intimacy with the problem as opposed oh, wow. to being married to a specific solution. Oh, wow. So really, really, you know, a lot of people came into my grad program, myself included, with a hopeful solution in mind, like excited about creating some kind of certain enterprise, whatever you're interested in or whatever you've imagined or dreamed about and been like, okay, now I have to kind of find the problem this can solve. Mm -hmm. And actually, for most people and most things, the best place to start is actually getting really, really intimate with the problem because then you can design a solution that is specifically meant for that problem instead of trying to retrofit something mm -hmm. that you think is going to be good and then gaining 
clarity and familiarity with the community mm-hmm. or the problem and being like, oh shoot, like I'm actually doing more harm than good yeah. happens pretty mm-hmm. often. And so I think the best place to start is actually um, a deep familiarity with the problem itself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that because that also, that actually, uh, um, that actually shares that not every problem is the same yeah. and it actually adds, actually define, actually um, <laughs> instills the, this concept of, uh, which I've been thinking about a lot, but instills this concept that problems are actually really complex. Yes. And oftentimes when we're talking about problems, I mean, business-wise, like on a global scale or uh, something like that, um, as opposed to, you know, like, oh, like your grinder broke big whoop you know so uh, those kinds of problems where it's like they actually have so many so many moving parts in them Mm -hmm. that you can't just put a blanket statement answer oh like you know in coffee you need to pay farmers more well right sure yeah Yeah. (laughs) but uh, but it's a little more complicated than just writing a bigger check to somebody because there's so much nuance involved and that's something that you know, Sergey and I started Mirror with kind of like this concept of building these relationships and making mm-hmm. that whole experience for both the roaster, us, and the producer better. Mm. But then once we, when we really got involved, we're like now realizing like, oh, it's not just about writing a bigger check. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that's yeah. kind of what it's kind of like watered down to almost. And it's actually really, really complex. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I mean, even your example is great. Like writing a bigger check to the farmer. Well, maybe that can help some things, but like maybe mm-hmm. what the farmer needs is actually a certain piece of equipment or maybe what yeah. the farmer needs is actually introductions or whatever it is. And the more you get to know the farmer, like what you guys are actually doing and starting there, the more you can actually be part of the solution in a way that is effective and um, mm-hmm. like truly caring on a human level mm-hmm. and not for your brand, but yeah. actually for the person. Good. Yeah. It reminds me of a mentor of mine shared the quote with me that every problem in the world is a relationship problem, mm-hmm. which is super cheesy, right? But, and it seems good, way though. too, yeah, <laughs> it seems very common like, oh yeah. But I think the, the core of that quote is the fact that you have to get to know people in order to solve mm-hmm. problems and you have to, in order to be part of the resolution or a solution, you have to actually like ah, man, I don't want to use cheesy terms, but they're all coming to my mind. But you have to embody, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like, the situation, the problem, and the people surrounding it. And I think, um, I I wish I would see that more in coffee, because, one, Mm -hmm. in coffee, I feel like we go to, I mean, I hate to be this guy, but I'm going to be this guy, folks. But I feel like we go to origin (laughs) trips. We go to origin trips. We snap a bunch of photos. We were only there three days. And by we, I'm talking about the industry. And we were only there for three days, snap some photos, come back, and then talk about all of these things about how great the farmer is, how this and this and that. But that's all like textbook knowledge. And it's not actually relational knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I know that's also a broad statement about the coffee industry. And I think things are changing um so that's coffee but you're actually pursuing fashion Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so what what are some challenges in fashion that you're seeing Mm -hmm. and what are some possible solutions if you're there yeah totally there's a lot of challenges (laughs) Mm -hmm. um in the garment industry in the textile Mm -hmm. industry in general um and it's just like what we're talking about it's such a big complex problem you almost can't boil it down because once you look at the facts the truth is, so I, I talk a lot about living in alignment with your values. And what I kind of mean by that is like, for instance, I personally really value gender equality. And when you like, that sounds like, okay, great. And it's easy to talk about, Mm -hmm. but what does that actually look like in your life? Well, if I value gender equality and then I learn that 82% of garment workers around the world are women Mm -hmm. and only 6% of them make a living wage, what does that mean for the next time that I'm going to buy a piece of clothing? If I value gender equality, like what does it look like for me to do something about that? Even if it's more expensive, even if Mm -hmm. it's, there's less access to those kinds of garments, even if no one's ever going to know about it, what does it look like to do something about that? And so there's definitely the consumer standpoint and then the brand standpoint. And I, 
embody both. Like I am working on a socially conscious fashion brand. Um, but right now really what I am is a consumer. And so, you know, there's kind of two avenues you can go down for that question. I, I, um, I really, I really liked what you said about how like you're shopping according to your values. Um, and the, what I, what I love about that, cause it kind of goes back to what you said, um, in the beginning of this conversation that there's uh, a certain amount of change that you can make as a nonprofit and mm-hmm. there's other changes that you can make as, um, what's the word that you used? I would call it a for-profit social uh, enterprise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something that's for-profit, um, where actually the consumer is empowered yes. to say, I have resources that I can, the way that I manage and distribute them can actually make an impact. And you can make, you can literally say, here's a $12 coffee and here's a $13 coffee. You're still getting coffee. You're like, you're still going to have caffeine to drink in the morning, (laughs) but they have ridiculously different Mm -hmm. implications on the global scale, which I I love that because now, now your resources, um, whether you have a little bit or a lot are, have insane amount of implications Mm -hmm. for what they, how they can impact the world through these for-profit yes. um, industries or whatever. So yeah. uh, I think within fashion, though, my question would be, is is that a commodity market then? Or what do you mean by that? Is it like, when I'm thinking of commodity, like is that like a widespread market or is it more niche towards like, okay, designer clothes, you know what I mean? Or are you talking about also on like the grand scheme of things, just like, uh, I think you were talking, what was the words you used? Not, I used fashion and then you responded with, uh, uh, what was it like, like not clothing, but the actual Garment. materials, Garment. textiles, textiles yeah. and garment. Like yeah. that sounds to me more of like a broader totally. kind of a bigger industry with broader and bigger problems, maybe mm-hmm. with different solutions. And then looking at maybe fashion more of like designer clothes or like I'm a big fan of Jerry Lorenzo, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. That's a little more niche, a little more exclusive, not as commodity based as you would go to target and just buy clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, so would you say then within that concept, um, if you're starting a business or if you're um, looking to be part of a solution, how you would observe those issues within different spheres of like commodity or very niche mm-hmm. kind of exclusive would be much different, right? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, one of the biggest things you run up against trying to start a fashion brand, well, and we were talking about this, and I'm sure it's the same with coffee and, and many industries, is that it is more than twice expen- twice as expensive to do it ethically. Yeah. <laughs> it's more than twice as expensive. And so a lot of times what you do run into is, quote unquote, ethical fashion brands Mm -hmm. are quote unquote higher end, um, simply because of their price tag. And so it ends up being more of a niche thing. Um, which something that I really advocate for is actually lessening your consumption overall. And that's actually the biggest impact you can have as a consumer. Um, and then buying less garments that you take really good care of that perhaps are significantly more expensive. And there's a lot of barriers in the way and there's a lot of, you know, kind of conversations you can have off of that. But that is one thing that I really advocate for to make it less niche is that even if it's expensive to simply consume less to make that possible. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the thoughts I'm getting is, so I think I shared with you, like I love like nudie jeans, that brand, and it is like expensive. Um, one, it's not accessible for everyone, which limits the amount of people that can be part of the solution, which is a whole nother conversation, or maybe we'll get into it. But I think like one, buying a pair of jeans, like salvage jeans that could potentially last you five to 10 years is very, very ethical because mm-hmm. at least I think so, right? 100%. I may be wrong, but you're like, yeah, if you're wearing the same pair of jeans, like my goal, my dialed, like I love street fashion. That's kind of my thing, but I know that street fashion doesn't always make the right choices um you know it's all it's kind of quick it's always all, always changing but some of the aspects of fashion that i enjoy that i don't have dialed yet is like salvage jeans like long term like classic wear that you would buy like a pair of boots or a pair of jeans that you wear almost every day mm-hmm. they they like 
actually wear out nicely. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of elements that I enjoy about that, but I'm struggling like to commit because it is Mm -hmm. much more expensive. Um, But that's for like a pair of jeans that you may buy once every five years. What happens with things that you need to buy daily? Yeah. Um, One like coffee, you know, or I don't know, toothpaste, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, those more common things. Mm -hmm. Um, Like how do you, one, how do you make choices like day-to-day choices, what are we looking for? Mm -hmm. With those things, I do think too that there is less of a price discrepancy. Mm. Just like Mark was giving an example of like $12 coffee or $13 coffee. Like there's not as big of a price discrepancy between ethical and unethical. I don't love those terms, but I don't know of better ones. Yeah. But it's like, what does it mean to be ethical? That yeah, means right. so many different things. But um, so give a little grace on the term. But I think there's less of a price discrepancy on the everyday use things. And I actually, I'm going to say something a little bit controversial too. Um, this is back to garments. But mm-hmm. I think that if you were to buy like a Zara jacket, um, not a socially conscious brand whatsoever. Mm-hmm. If you were to buy a Zara jacket that you knew that you were going to wear for 10 years, like every day, that is going to be better than even yeah. buying something that is ethically made that you're going to get rid of after a year. Yeah, because consumption is just as much of a problem in some senses as the way that something is made. Our level and rate of consumption, especially in the U.S., just in the West in general, is so rapid that the waste is a big problem. It has a huge effect on labor workers, everything. So I think when it comes to accessibility too with people, um, and my expertise is in the garment industry, Mm -hmm. um, if where you're at is that what you can afford is even like a forever 21 jacket or an H and M jacket, I would say buy it knowing or like, with the intention of wearing it for 10 years and caring yeah. for it, like hand washing it, whatever it takes, like that is yeah. also an ethical choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for sure. I've been, yeah. I've been thinking about actually something, something similar about how, um, we're actually, so we've built an entire system, an entire economy on consumerism on literally, um, if everybody stopped buying things tomorrow, the society would collapse. Yeah. Like literally. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's uh it gets really challenging when like what we're experiencing right now in the economy in the last two years mm-hmm. where um where it's just been really made me think about like oh no like we actually haven't learned what it's like to just buy something and enjoy it and just be content with it yeah, yeah. where actually a big part of our culture is actually like our you know, we get dopamine out of clicking an order button, yeah. mm-hmm. out of an unboxing, out of a yes. new thing, yeah. right. here, there, yeah. there. And a lot of these things are actually, I mean, of course, uh, th- these are very broad statements, not for everybody, but a lot of these things are just pointless. Yeah. They're just yeah. useless and they're just there to give us, you yeah. know, some some sense of pleasure of buying it. But I did want you to, I did want to clarify and ask you um, if you can kind of expound on the that concept of like consumption is actually causing just as much problems um, in the industry or something something yeah. along those lines where I was like, mm-hmm. I kind of want to know a little more about that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the consumption that is driving the fast fashion model. And so mm-hmm. it's the level of consumption and mm-hmm. what's become normal. And to your point, like what is popular in culture too, just like the unboxing and the, you know, never be seen in the same outfit twice. And every time you go on a trip, it's like so normal to buy practically an entire new wardrobe, like an entirely new suitcase <laughs> yeah. worth of yeah. clothes. Call like, me out. I mean, we all do it. <laughs> like I do it too. And, yeah. and that's a whole other part of the conversation we could have yeah. too, is not coming at this from a shame based place, mm-hmm. but actually coming from a place of curiosity and creativity yeah. around solutions. But, um, so I don't say that with shame, but I say we are all a part of this consumption culture mm-hmm. where it is so normal and what it has created very rapidly. Like the fast fashion industry hasn't existed for a long time. It hasn't been like this for a long time. It's been like this for maybe three decades or so before that clothing was made with much much better materials Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. we think organic cotton is like an exciting new thing things used to only be made with organic cotton like the chemicals are new like the dyeing techniques are new the way that we do things now that is harmful to both the humans who work with those materials and the environment and us when we wear them really when it comes down to it 
is fairly new and it all comes from this consumption culture of needing things new and fast and constantly. Yeah. Um, but there's also, so there's also like consumption that is part of the solution. Mm -hmm. So one, you to just rephrase what you already said to make sure I'm getting it right. But like buying things that you plan on wearing long term, mm -hmm. um, which then also results in understanding the quality of things you buy. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things I learned as a kid is um, you always like, I, I don't know why I remember headphones like a big deal and like buying 10 pairs of, I'm going to say it, Skull Candy headphones. <laughs> like I know I'm not going to call out a brand versus, <laughs> but yes, like. Buying or those, you know, Walmart headphones that you have in a checkout line, they're like five bucks. Like, ah, you know, I guess snag another $5 pair of headphones <laughs> and they go out within like a month, you know what I mean? And then you have to buy more, which goes in a dumpster, creates more waste. Mm -hmm. But instead of like investing into maybe something that's higher quality, higher mm -hmm. end and buying something good that lasts you in a long time. So it's a different form of consumption, which is to a degree unpopular, am I right? Like in common culture, but I think in, depending on what circle you're in, that's also like, there's value in that. And um, mm -hmm. I don't know where I'm getting with this because I'm just like processing no, out yeah, loud. Totally. But those are, I think, big parts of one, the solution, how, how do you take one concept like consumption and instead of being part of the problem, becoming part of the solution. Mm -hmm. I think for me also within then coffee, uh, one of the things about like purchasing like coffee beans is understanding the supply chain. Yeah. So right. what are some things about the supply chain that you're learning um, when it comes to what you're doing? Oh my gosh. So much. So, so much. So I feel like I am sharing more on this podcast than I do with people typically about what I'm hoping to yeah. do um, because it's still fairly new. I've been working for maybe six to eight months. Mm -hmm on a brand, but, um, my vision and what I'm working toward is working with artists and groups around the world, um, as opposed to mostly women in factories. Um, very, very, very different model, but I am learning so much about textiles. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I never even thought about this and maybe that's stupid. And maybe other people are going to be like, what, how can you say you're in fashion without thinking about this? But like every material has to be woven from nothing. <laughs> like I think about bolts of fabric and that's like in my mind where clothing begins, but it doesn't begin there. It actually mm. begins with being woven. And there are lots of ways to weave fabric. There's really, really cool, like slow, ancient indigenous mm. techniques of weaving fabric because people have worn clothes forever. Yeah, right. That makes sense. And then there's really, really fast, um, dangerous ways to weave fabric. Gotcha. And so that's where it begins is actually mm -hmm. with the textile itself. And then once there is that bolt of fabric, then there's cut and sew. And that also can be done slowly sure. and intentionally and from women's homes and communities where it's looked down upon for them to work outside the home. And so mm -hmm. they don't have opportunities to make an income until something like this is possible where they can actually do that work from home. Or there's these like massive, super dangerous factories where cut and sew can occur. Gotcha. And all along the way, I mean, it yeah. might get boring for listeners, but like every single step you can yep. make a actually beautiful and celebratory and culturally relevant choice for the community where that's occurring, or you can do it a different way. And the, the, the issue is that it's so expensive to do it mm -hmm. the slow way. And it's so yep. not a part of what is common that you're almost looked at like you're crazy when you're doing yeah. it that way because it requires so much initial investment. Yeah. So then from a business point of view to own a business and make a sustainable for you and the business, and then also make a sustainable on a broader uh, spectrum, then you would have to like understand how to proper uh, make proper markup according yeah. to a proper value yeah. to be able to make sure that there is consumption of a product mm -hmm. that'll last longer. Um, so that's, you also shared like one of the things that you're learning in school is more of also the business mm -hmm. element of what that means. Is there anything you can share along those lines? Yeah, that is where I do get really passionate about narrative because I think especially our generation and younger really, really do care about how their goods are made and mm -hmm. really, really do care about both people and planet, but often are just overwhelmed with where to start. <clears throat> they oftentimes yeah. are just like, I don't even know, like there's all these buzzwords, what's true, what's not, um, this is so expensive and like that we have 
kind of these narratives in our head about what is and isn't out of reach. And so that's where I get really passionate about educating the consumer Mm -hmm. and doing that in an ethical way. Um, where there is like high, high levels of transparency and when clothes are made well, goods are made well in general, they are going to be more expensive. And so having empathy toward the barriers that that can create, but also educating around what it looks like to remove those barriers, because a lot of them can be removed when we change our consumer behavior, but it it takes kind of breaking a narrative in your head around what isn't and isn't possible. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, um, I I really uh, I I would yeah. I think. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Yeah. Wake up. Uh, this is brute- decast. I know, this you is shouldn't decast. have had decast. Set myself up for failure, folks. Decaf, yeah, actually. that's excellent. Yeah. Um, you know, I I'm I'm very intrigued. Like, and I think I was just thinking about this earlier today that. Um, which correct me if I'm wrong. I may just say something that's just like politically incorrect. Oh God. Um, but, uh, but we are just as a country, as an economy, um, we are just in such a, such a blessed and, um, great place that we can actually think about these things Mm -hmm. and actually have the ability to start changing how we think about what we're buying as opposed to somebody who, you know, countries who j- just aren't quite there yet, where, um, where their mindset isn't quite there yet. It's more like I hope I can have a piece of bread today, and I have to, uh, I have to make ends meet somehow. You know. Yeah. Um. And on top of that, I think where we are as a country, also like economically, and where we are in the kind of the realm of being a first world country, and the things that accompany with that is that I think also, um. Where's my, where am I going? Holy crap. All right, folks, I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> no, everything you're saying, I'm like so tracking yeah. with. Like, I'm like, I'm like, oh gosh, land the plane. Uh, and th- there's so much, um, there's so much privilege and such mm-hmm. a beautiful responsibility that we can have. And I think actually a lot of the con- the consumer or us daily people yeah. who are buying things and of, uh, who have the ability to buy things, um, I think we're actually moving into an interesting stage where we're not buying a cup because it's holding a coffee. Mm-hmm. We yeah. don't buy a cup because it we need to drink water out of it. We're not like Sergi did not buy this pink Carter mug because there are no other card there are right. no other coffee mugs in the world. Right. But we've it's we're becoming so much more intentional about our purchases mm-hmm. and it's l- becoming less about what it can do. And more about what it stands for and what it, yeah. what it means and yeah. whether that's, you know, your favorite influencer has this bag and you want it to, to fit in with this, you know, the community. Um, or it's maybe it's like you want to, you want to wear, you know, a specific brand because you want to show everybody that, mm-hmm. hey, you're sustainable, you know, or whatever it is, you know, like there are. And I think it also comes down to like a lot of these, the brands that are being built around these things um, where I think actually enables us to make a lot of impact because um we're just in a in a part where we're not thinking i just need to put a shirt on right we're actually now trying to identify with something does that make any sense 100 folks i hope that i hope that that finally got delivered (laughs) (laughs) you you did land the plane you did it and it's so true because and that's actually part of the beauty of fashion it's part of what i love about fashion it's always been true that what we put on our bodies says something about us Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. message has become more and more explicit over time i feel like with the evolution of fashion but that's what fashion has always been about it's actually the beauty and it's the Mm -hmm. art and and so i I feel like we can almost you know make that a negative thing but it's actually a really cool celebratory thing about fashion is that it's expressing something about us we're sending a message and what you were saying as well mark about like our country being in a privileged state, I would just add to that that is because we're exploiting those other countries. 
Like the reason that we are in a state to choose what oh, we wow. do and That's, don't want to yeah. buy with our money that we have yeah. is because of this exact problem that we're talking about. Like it is completely full circle. Every wow. comment that yeah. you're making in my head, I'm just like, yeah, exactly. It's exactly yeah. what we're talking about. I knew about. there was that politically incorrect comment in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no. That's, that you're, brings clarity. You're, you're yeah. right. Like that, yeah. I'm saying you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I, I mean, again, talking about like, <laughs> no, talking about like commodities, like again, and like clothing in general is a commodity that everyone needs it. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, going to that idea of we get to choose, you know, what coffee we buy. Do we want to buy, you know, the carbonic macerated, yeah. like this, this coffee that is only produced to a limited run that runs for X amount of dollars versus, you know, I just have coffee culturally, like in, mm -hmm. mm -hmm that's part of the daily like mm -hmm. thing. It's an experience um, versus what coffee you choose. And I, I agree. I remember in, when I was going through my specialty coffee association, um, training for coffee. Um, one of the things they mentioned was the fact that countries that export the most coffee actually struggle with sustainability, not because the quantity of coffee that they export, but because they're not leaving that coffee for their own country. Oh, interesting. Um, so there's that issue again. It's because one, the market and we get to, unfortunately, like this negative idea of capitalism where we get to use that privilege to actually steal. I, I know I'm using edgy terms, but steal resources and steal abilities from others to benefit this concept that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, so I think on like the bigger scale, like some of the practices that I've seen that like really like get me passionate is understanding what does that mean? Like with talking to my buddy Taylor in Indonesia, mm -hmm. who's working with very like small farmers. Um, a lot of them are like women owned farms, like things like that actually matter for that culture. And it's starting from the root of saying, what matters for that culture? Do they want to sell their coffee to the United States? Right, right. Like maybe it's not actually, they don't want to export yeah. it. Like, and that wouldn't be our place to be able to like take that coffee. Cause maybe yes. the goal for them is actually to create a higher quality coffee so they can leave it in the country mm -hmm. for the cafes there. And actually that will make them more money and more sustainable. So again, going back to where we began this yes. conversation, it's, it all, it's all about relationship. Like in order for me to understand and know what this coffee producer or this farm needs, I have to embody the situation. I have to understand what's happening there on the spot in the moment. Yes, that's exactly, I completely agree. I, choice comes from power and privilege. Mm -hmm. And I think when we understand that, that when we have choices, it's mm -hmm. because we have some level of power and privilege mm -hmm. and that's varying degrees for, for different people. But yeah. when we, when we know that and can recognize that and accept that, then we can ask ourselves the important question of like, what does it look like to use my privilege for good? Mm -hmm. What does it look like to mm -hmm. lay down my privilege in an effective and strategic way to uplift somebody else? Yeah. But only when we first understand the privilege piece, mm -hmm. then we can ask that question. And then yeah. we can ask that question to real human beings, right. you know, like yeah. then we can have that relational yeah. kind of, um, journey forward into yeah. like true solutions. Yeah, that's powerful. for sure. Um, th yeah, that, yeah. that, that's really delightful. Um, but I, I also, we're like running up on like 15 minutes of this podcast. <laughs> we'll have to have you back. Yeah. Um, for sure. <laughs> so totally. we can dive into this some more, but, uh, as we wrap up the episode, uh, we talked about, you know, buzzwords you didn't like using ethical yeah. um you know we talked about you know brands that are you know exploiting or whatever um i mean the base of this podcast is social entrepreneurship mm -hmm. um you also talked about like educating the consumer um and there, there's so much to be educated on. I feel like today yeah. it's like you need to be educated on this cause, on this yeah. cause, on this cause, and you have to learn how to make a pour over with yeah. perfect extraction. <laughs> and then tomorrow you need to do this. And, I'm always working on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden now everybody needs to be a content creator and you have to be yeah. Instagram famous or TikTok or, yeah. you know, where it's like there's so much and it's so overwhelming that you, it almost feels like you have to know something about everything and mm -hmm. all this stuff. That being said, like, can you offer like a couple, like one to two things? I know you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, one to two things that somebody that 
can just be a little more intentional about their purchases. Um, Like today, right now, without necessarily saying, hey, you need to go read this textbook, listen to 40 TED Talks. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. The number one thing I would encourage people to do is to determine like one to three values that are genuinely important to you. Not Mm -hmm. things you think you should care about, but things you actually care about. And so maybe that is, Mm -hmm. um, that, that something is woman owned. Maybe it's that something is BIPOC owned. Yeah. Maybe it's that, um, the labor practices are fair and that that's been verified by a third party. Uh Maybe it's that it's having, um, a neutral or positive environmental impact. They're actually brands having a positive environmental impact, which is insane. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So whatever it is, what do you actually care about? One to three things. Keep it simple, especially to start out. Mm -hmm. And then start a note on your phone. Like this is like in the very nitty gritty. Start Mm -hmm. a note on your phone with brands that fit that value. So for me, um, it's ethical labor practices is like my number one most important thing. And so brands that fit that would be like Everlane, Reformation, um, Allbirds. Like there's mm-hmm. there's all these brands in my phone that mm-hmm. then anytime you do actually need something or you just want something, right. you go to that note in your phone and you're like, I'm going to check all these brands first to see if mm-hmm. they have it. Like that's where I'm, that's going to be my go-to because it makes it easy for yourself. And it also makes it fun. It's like a little yeah. treasure. And you're always on the lookout. You're talking to people about it and then it's getting the conversation going. You're yeah. learning about it. Like it mm-hmm. just opens your eyes to both brands and sort of your own values, what it is you truly care about. Mm-hmm. And that's going to lead you to some really exciting places. Yeah. That also builds a framework for like making choices, yeah. which makes you a better chooser. You totally, know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I mean, what I, when I hear you say that, it actually, there's like, I feel like a sigh of relief. Like whew, mm-hmm. it's possible. Yes. Um, because sometimes topics like this are so big, so vast. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. you're talking about, you know, global economics, yeah. you're talking about mm-hmm. like hot topics and it's hard to be like, oh, what part of the puzzle do I fit in? And yeah. how do I be part of the solution? But when you break it down to such practical steps, yes. it's like, oh yeah, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is possible. Yeah. So like listening to this conversation, these 50 plus minutes that we're talking, <laughs> um, I'm left like both convicted and inspired. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I need to tighten up in certain areas in my life. But I'm also like hearing you, what you have to say. And I'm like thinking, that's actually very practical. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Like I can make that list. And next time I do want a pair of jeans, I either have to say, well, I don't need them or I can say like, Hey, like I can actually buy those jeans instead of just saying what's available. Exactly. So cool. Exactly. Super dope. 10 out of 10. That's That's (laughs) wonderful. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Kenna, for coming on the podcast, for chatting with us. Once again, it's almost we're approaching one hour. Thank you for sorry, sh- friends. <laughs> no, I no, know no. I can be um, no, no, chatty great. on this topic, yeah. especially. Yeah. No, we appreciate that, and we needed that, you know. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much Good. for uh, just sharing the knowledge that you have, what you know right now, your passion for it. Um, I think we need people passionate about these things um, who can, you know, make opportunities and make ways for change to happen in the world, and that's. Um, yeah, that's exactly what we we're talking about. So thank you so much for chatting with us. Uh, folks, I hope you guys all enjoyed this podcast as much as we have. Uh, leave us a review on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to these podcasts. Down in the comments, of the, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit us up with some comments, please. We love your comments. Send us a DM. Our yes. emails are open. We want to continue the conversation. So thank you so much for listening. And we really hope you have a good one. And remember, friends, reflect what's good. There it is. (laughs) Did it. Heck yeah.